0: gone. The wood is all flicker and murmur and illusion. Its silence is a pointillist conspiracy of a million tiny noises, rustles, flurries, nameless truncated shrieks. Its emptiness teems with secret life, scurrying just beyond the corner of your eye. Careful. Bees zip in and out of cracks in the leaning oak. Stop to turn any stone and strange larvae will wriggle irritably while an earnest thread of ants twines up your ankle. In the ruined tower, someone's abandoned stronghold, nettles thick as your wrist, seize between the stones. And at dawn, rabbits bring their kittens out from the foundations to play on ancient graves. These three children own the summer. They know the wood as surely as they know the micro-landscapes of their own grazed knees. Put them down blindfolded in any dell or clearing, and they could find their way out without putting a foot wrong. This is their territory, and they rule it wild and lordly as young animals. They scramble through its trees and hide and seek in its hollows all the endless day long, and all night in their dreams. They're running into legend into sleepover stories and nightmares parents never hear. Down the faint lost paths you would never find alone, skidding round the tumbled stone walls, they stream calls and shoelaces behind them like comet trails. And who is it waiting on the riverbank with his hands in the willow branches, whose laughter tumbles swaying from a branch high above? Whose is the face in the undergrowth, in the corner of your eye, built of light and leaf shadow? there and gone in a blink. These children will not be coming of age this or any other summer. This August will not ask them to find hidden reserves of strength and courage as they confront the complexity of the adult world and come away sadder and wiser and bonded for life. This summer has other requirements for them. 1. What I warn you to remember is that I'm a detective. Our relationship with truth is fundamental but cracked, refracting confusingly like fragmented glass. It's the core of our careers, the endgame of every move we make, and we pursue it with strategies painstakingly constructed of lies and concealment and every variation on deception. The truth is the most desirable woman in the world and we are the most jealous lovers, reflexively denying anyone else the slightest glimpse of her. We betray her routinely, spending hours and days stupor deep in lies, and then turn back to her holding out the lover's ultimate Mobius strip. But I only did it because I love you so much. I have a pretty knack for imagery, especially the cheap facile kind. Don't let me fool you into seeing us as a bunch of parfy knights galloping off in doublets after Lady Truth on her white palfrey. What we do is crude, crass and nasty. A girl gives her boyfriend an alibi for the evening when we suspect him of robbing a north side centra and stabbing the clerk. But I flirt with her at first telling her I can see why he would want to stay home when he's got her. She's peroxided and greasy, with the flat, stunted features of generations of malnutrition, and privately I'm thinking that if I were her boyfriend I would be relieved to trade her even for a hairy cellmate named Razor. Then I tell her we've found marked bills from the till in his classy white tracksuit bottoms and he's claiming that she went out that evening and gave them to him when she got back. I do it so convincingly, with such delicate cross-hatching of discomfort and compassion at her man's betrayal, that finally her faith in four shared years disintegrates like a sandcastle. And through tears and snot, while her man sits with my partner in the next interview room, saying nothing except, "'Fuck off, I was home with Jackie,' She tells me everything from the time he left the house to the details of his sexual shortcomings. Then I pat her gently on the shoulder and give her a tissue and a cup of tea and a statement sheet. This is my job. And you don't go into it, or if you do, you don't last, without some natural affinity.